0: Dr. Edward Bassingthwaite grew up riding horses on a cattle property in North Queensland. He earned his veterinary degree from the University of Queensland in 1995 and went into mixed animal practice afterwards. He then spent time doing small normal locum work in both Australia and the UK before falling ill and being diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and Lyme disease. In searching to improve his own health, he investigated and experienced a number of holistic modalities and began to use some to treat his patients. He developed a unique system of treatment called the whole energy body balance method, which allows the practitioner to find and heal silent pain, anxiety, and trauma. Not only does Dr. Bassingwaite use this method to treat his patients, he teaches the method to others. He then started his own mobile practice, which has evolved into working in a brick and mortar practice where he uses a wide variety of modalities to treat his patients, including whole energy body balance, acupressure, nutrition, Bach flower Remedies, Homeopathy, Herbal Medicine, and Supplements. He has a special interest in dogs with behavior issues and anxiety. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Edward Bassingwaite as we discuss his childhood, veterinary training, the personal health challenge that led him to holistic medicine, and how he manages his time and energy as both a practicing clinician and an online business owner. Dr. Edward, thanks for taking the time.
1: You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. So where did you grow up? I grew up on a a cattle property or a ranch for sort of American people in North Queensland here in Australia.
0: What sort of, uh, so you had cattle growing up, other, other animals probably, yes?
1: Yeah, so it was a, an extensive beef cattle operation, um, but we, we did also had a really strong interest in horses, uh, bred and competed on horses. We did all that cattle work on horseback, and of course we always had a, a few dogs around.
0: What's the, how old were you when you decided that veterinary medicine might be something you wanted to pursue?
1: Well, I think I was... Pretty young when I got curious about it. We we had um there was still tuberculosis in our herd when I was a kid and a couple of times a year vet veterinarians would come to T V test all the cattle. Um I was a bit fascinated by that. And reading James Harriet's books too made me a bit fascinated about about the possibility of being a veterinarian. So pretty young.
0: Yeah. Uh, where did you do your veterinary training?
1: I trained at the University of Queensland in Brisbane in Australia.
0: And did you, what sort of medicine did you want to practice when you got out?
1: Well, when I first got out, I, I thought I wanted to be a horse vet and um, I thought I wanted to do, you know, large animal work, mixed practice, but 18 months of a, a pretty crappy first job in a mixed beef, dairy, equine, um, and small animal practice uh, cured me of ever really wanting to work with large animals again. I did consider working in in equine practice, but when I found out that I'd have to work maybe 40% longer hours for 30 or 40% less pay, I decided that wasn't such a good idea either.
0: That kind of practice is a lot of hard work, you know, with your on-call time and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you continue to ride when you were in vet school and
1: and afterwards? Well, while I was still at university, when I went home on the holidays, I, I rode, but I haven't owned any horses since I graduated. Haven't, haven't been active in that sort of world for a long time.
0: Yeah. So after you left that first practice, what sort of practice did you join?
1: After I left that first practice, I did a little bit of locum work in Australia. Um, then I went over and lived and worked in the United Kingdom doing locum locum practice in in small animal work for about 18 months or so
0: did you enjoy that being overseas
1: I did enjoy that and but then I got really unwell I, I came down with chronic fatigue syndrome and and you know, I was really significantly affected by that couldn't work at all for a few years had to go back home to the family farm and try to get well um so that was probably another big turning point and that was what really pushed me more into the holistic and integrative side of medicine because western medicine helped me a little bit in the beginning with the chronic fatigue in terms of some of the, the grosser symptoms of depression and gastric and stuff like that but they pretty soon ran out of any ideas with the, the ongoing fatigue and body pain and, and other things. So I had to explore a whole lot of alternative stuff to try and get myself well, and then started experimenting with, you know, bringing that kind of stuff into my practice and found that animals responded really well to it.
0: So you moved, moved home from the UK because you fell ill. And then, so in finding those, um, alternative practitioners, did you have to go far from
1: home? Well it was kind of tricky. Um where we lived was, you know, a hundred odd kilometres, sixty miles from the nearest town, which is a small country town. Uh, I was lucky that there was a, a very good um human bodywork practitioner in the town that helped helped a lot. Then it wasn't easy really to find Um, practitioners I I did find online, some people that did energy healing and stuff like that that I noticed gave me benefit and I went and studied some of that as well. Um, But it it was a really long journey and I was still unwell with chronic fatigue and what I strongly suspect was Lyme disease as well because I got a lot better after I started taking Lyme herbs about four or five years ago. but it was an ongoing challenge for a long time that I would, I would go to a, a, a holistic practitioner or an integrative doctor or a naturopath or a um, ayurvedic doctor and, and get onto their program and, and have you know a significant increase in well being, though not better. It would only last for maybe six months or a year and then it would kind of stop working. Um, it wasn't until a couple of things happened. Number one, I, I contemplated that it might be Lyme disease and got onto a lot of Lyme herbal treatments, which made a difference. And the other thing that really helped me was getting into, into Qigong, um, which is you know a movement practice that moves energy through the energy systems and physical systems of the body. And I think those are two things that have been really key in, in me now, you know, being pretty healthy and being able to work 40 to 60 hours a week. Um, back working in a veterinary hospital, integrated veterinary hospital two days a week, which I started about a year ago. And, you know, that was challenging at first. It took me a good six months to get more fit to that more intensive work environment. Would
0: uh, What's the prevalence of Lyme in, in Australia? Is that something that would have been on anybody's, anybody's radar for you?
1: Well, Australia's a bit weird about Lyme. Um, the powers that be refuse to consider that Lyme exists in Australia, though I'm, I'm absolutely certain it does. And I've had friends who've, you know, been bitten by ticks and got the whole donut, um, lesions and then developed symptoms of Lyme and, and tested positive to Lyme. But the, the sort of more orthodox medical and government view in australia is that it doesn't exist in australia there's actually been doctors who've been deregistered for simply testing people for lyme which is kind of weird um but yeah i'm I'm convinced that it is in australia and it's a significant problem
0: but in your case you felt like you brought it home or that you picked it up in the uk yeah
1: yeah i think that um i probably picked it up in the uk without even knowing i had been bitten by a tick i had a whole lot of other things going on you know i had a, a root canal done in england that was turned out to be Um, have a chronic low-grade, probably mycoplasmal infection in it that I didn't know about till 15 or 20 years later. And, you know, when that tooth was removed, I had another significant increase in well-being overall too.
0: How long was it after you got home and started seeking treatment, were you able to to go back to work?
1: Probably about two or three years. Um, You know, I worked part-time in small animal practices in Townsville for a few years. And then I started a home visit practice in Townsville, which was the home visit vet. And, you know, that gave me a lot more freedom in in several ways. I still was not uh, anywhere near totally well. You know, I was functioning, but often with fatigue, often with a lot of pain, stuff like that. And the home visit uh, practice let me, you know, if I really needed not to work, I had a lot more flexibility. I could just cancel out people And come back when I was feeling better and the other opportunity it gave me was to start really exploring some of the more holistic and alternative things like homeopathy and my real passion which is hands-on body work for animals and also during that time I started to look into um, vaccination in animals and Dr. Ronald Schultz's research and suddenly realized wow you know the these C three and F three vaccines last for five to seven years, but everyone's given them every year. So that was another point where I started to teeter test and and go to a minimal amount of vaccination for for adequate protection and stuff like that.
0: Was there pretty was that ex- pretty well accepted by your clientele?
1: Yeah, when I found that once I actually explained to people, look, here's the research and here's this little test we can do to find out if your animals got antibodies in, in their system or not. And if, if they do, we don't need to revaccinate them, you know, because even though vaccines, I'm not anti vax and I believe they save a, well, they do save a lot of animals' lives, they get a really strong, long lasting immunity and they're a good thing, but they can also harm animals and if you've got adequate antibodies and you're gonna then Give an unnecessary biological medicine with known possible adverse side effects, up to and in rare cases, including death. Why would we do that? That's not good medicine, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, were you able to find a lab that you could rely on to send those tests to?
1: No, we use the um, BaxiCheck in house tests. And um, we do that at the clinic that I work at, Benton's right Bets here in Melbourne as well, the BaxiCheck Biogal. Um, they they're easy, you know. They take about 20 30 minutes to run, and accurate qualitative and quantitative tests.
0: Nice. And you'd mentioned qigong and how how much that helped you. At what point did you start incorporating that into your healthcare?
1: Um, probably about eight years ago. Seven or eight years ago, yeah.
0: And was that was that self taught, or were you able to find an instructor? How did you, how did you work that in?
1: Yeah, I found an instructor. Um, my first instructor, unfortunately, was ended up being sort of a, you know, charismatic, culty, abusive type person. So <laughs> I learned some good things from him. But that where the people who are my main teachers with Qigong at the moment are an organisation called Energy Arts in the US in Colorado, and the main um, form or practice I do with them for well-being is a. The dragon and tiger form, which you can you can go to those guys and learn online, and you know that's it's it's an ongoing part of my self care. Um, in that I will do that form five mornings a week. I get up early on my work days and and spend quite a time doing meditative practices and uh, energy practices and qigong practices, and of course some real resistance exercise in terms of push ups and chin ups and stuff like that.
0: Nice. Did you? Uh... Did you change your nutrition at all while you were healing?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I found out that I had a dairy, lifelong dairy intolerance that I didn't know I had. So I, I went off all dairy and gluten in the beginning, which I can tell you, you know, 20 years ago in a country town in Australia was not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Um, more recently, I, I did a, a few years of being a, a vegan and mostly raw, high fruit diet vegan. Which I think helped my gut health a lot, but now I'm, I'm, and I've been eating all organic for quite some time. Now I'm, I'm not vegan anymore. I do eat some some meat proteins. It just got to the point where my body said, "I've had enough of doing that vegan thing." You need to give me some meat.
0: Was it difficult as you went along, as you described? You know, you would you would start a new regimen and, and plateau, and then have to uh, incorporate something else. Was it? Was it difficult um, emotionally in, on your mindset to to have those plateaus and, and feel like you weren't continually improving?
1: Oh yeah yeah it was um, it was a very challenging uh, situation for a, a long period of years um, and it's never easy to be to be unwell and chronic fatigue. And Lyme are, are what I call invisible diseases because from the outside you look you look okay, right? And yeah, yeah, a lot of you don't you don't get symptoms that people can see, so you know you get a lot of people thinking that that you're actually just malingering or it's all in your head and stuff like that. So yeah, it was it was very challenging.
0: Like you said, I imagine it was um, it was a good situation that you had the mobile practice and could rearrange your schedule as you needed to. I imagine also that as you explored these modalities and incorporating them into your practice, it was kind of nice to be your own boss in that way. And, and, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Pick because, and choose because, things. The,
1: because the clinics I worked in were not at all open-minded to alternative and integrative stuff back then when I was getting into that, um, actively not <laughs> into it. If you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what sort of, What sort of therapy and body work were you getting that inspired you to? uh, I want to talk about your system, but what sort of work was the was the inspiration for that?
1: Well, I had started working hands on with animals before I got sick, and the inspiration for that was after I left my first job and was doing a locum in a little town called Geraldton, a bit north of Perth in Western Australia. Here in Australia, another veterinarian, Dr. Tom Ahern, came to the town to to do some Work with some horses. He developed this method of um, mobilizing and releasing the vertebrae through the horse's necks. Uh, he would anesthetize them to do that, and then stretch and, and move the, the the spine. But he would take these horses that had um, four limb lamenesses that had, you know, been worked up, full veterinary work up with nerve blocks and radiography and and so on and so forth. They couldn't find a reason for the lameness. Now, he would work with their necks, and the lameness then would go away over the next little while. So it was due to nerve root compression from um, subtle misalignments of the vertebrae, what, what a chiropractor might call a subluxation. Yes. So I, I got really fascinated, and he was a, a beautiful, generous man. We had a couple of hours where he sat down and talked me a whole lot about what he was doing. And I thought, well, what about dogs and cats, you know? because dogs and cats have spines too, and I hadn't been taught anything about this at university. So at that point, I started really exploring by feeling deeper into the animal's bodies with what was going on, and pretty quickly, I started finding that there was a lot of pain and dysfunction and restriction from healthy movement in a lot of animals that I didn't know was there till I went looking for it, that the humans who owned the animals didn't know was there. And There were no modalities or trainings where you could go and learn to do hands-on stuff for animals in those days. So I I just started playing around with pressure and movement, interacting with the body with touch in a variety of ways to see if I could help these animals. And um, pretty quickly found, you know, I had a little Jack Russell when I was working in the UK, came in limping with um, all the muscles atrophied over one side of his scapula on that leg. And you know, the people said, I said, what's going on with this little three year old dog? And I said, well, he's just got a limp. We've x rayed him and everything, couldn't find anything wrong. So we just presume that he's got a limp. But when I fell into that little dog's body, he had an extraordinarily painful, tight, restricted area right down low in his neck. And after a series of me playing around with bodywork with that little dog, he came walking back into the clinic a week or two after the last treatment with no limp and with the muscle completely regenerated. That's amazing.
0: Now, developing that 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 touch for for picking up these sorts of issues was that something that you just felt like you had in you, or was how did you develop that?
1: Well, I think it. I think it's like anything. If you've got a curiosity, and then you act on that curiosity, and you you explore. The body with touch and start finding things and then start interacting with different kinds of therapeutic touch to to release pain and tension or restriction from healthy movement you're going to learn things and the more you do that the more things you learn so i was you know with my chronic fatigue journey i had a lot of pain and tension in my body too so i went to a lot of high level body workers over the years and learned a lot from them working with me um, You know, rolfing, Rolfers, which is a, probably the first sort of fascial-based bodywork system for humans by Ida Rolf. Um, I found a, a lot from that. Um, had people, high-level croneo-sacral practitioners work with me, osteopaths, um, Bowen, a whole lot of different practitioners that would give me relief with my pain and tension. And, you know, I sort of soaked up by my tactile or kinesthetic experience of being worked on and then I go oh wow that's cool I'll try that out out on the animals so you know that over the over a period of um some 17 or 18 years of me particularly sort of seven years when I had that home business practice in Townsville I learned a whole lot and at at the end of the time in Townsville we moved to northern New South Wales for about four years which is a much more um progressive open-minded community than Townsville which is Uh, So the holistic work expanded a lot then. And that's when I started teaching what I have called the whole energy body balance method. Um, I started teaching, you know, face to face, um, group workshops over weekends of teaching other people how to, how to assess for neurofascial soft tissue pain, which I honestly believe is the biggest blind spot in veterinary medicine. It's not taught at university. More than half the animals that I see coming into the clinic for the first time I see them have got significant soft tissue pain that the humans don't even know is there. And vets are simply not trained about either the issue or how to effectively assess for it, which means that vets miss it pretty often too.
0: Sure. I was going to mention, I mean, you and I are pretty similar ages and and that sort of examination and treatment was, I'm sure, not even covered anything close to that in school.
1: No, but we, you know, at the end of last year, we had a finally a vet student come in to do some prac at the hospital I'm working at. I was talking to him about soft tissue pain, neurofascial pain and all this. And he said, wow, it's all news to me. So it's still not being taught.
0: Yeah. And these seminars you're teaching are for for guard pet guardians, yes?
1: Uh, we have we have practitioner trainings for for home practitioners and also for certified practitioners who can then go out and you know make a business out of it.
0: Yeah, what what uh, and all these the training started as in person. Are they still in person, or how do, how have you cha- how's that changed over time?
1: No, well, kind of really. Fortunately, in hindsight, we took. The training's online in 2019, so we are now teaching all around the world. We've got practitioners in the US, in Canada, in the UK, in Europe, New Zealand, and quite a few scattered around Australia. We've probably had more than more than 1,800 odd people enrol in the trainings altogether since 2019.
0: That's wonderful. How how do people find the training? How do they how do they uh, find you?
1: Uh, Come to wholeenergybodybalance.com is the main website. Um, I also have, you know, some free masterclass seminars talking about silent pain, um, you know, what it is, why so many people miss it and why even highly trained vets miss it. You know, one of the things that really triggered me into a lot of this was that about six years ago I missed really awful neck pain in my own little dog for three weeks. You know, he was—he seemed totally okay. I took him to a training to be my demonstration dog, and he was a little bit more reactive than usual with the other dogs. I thought, hmm, that's strange. When I got home that night and actually got my hands on him, wow, you know, he had this screamingly painful neck. It turns out he'd had a fall on the steps three weeks before that my wife had seen, but he just got up and shook himself off and seemed fine, so she didn't think to tell me about it, you know. And that was a huge wake-up call for me. It was like, wow, you know, if I can miss... Really severe neck pain in my own dog. How many other people in the world are missing that? And that's when I started to really get curious about how many people were missing it, how big a problem it is. And, you know, according to my clinical experience, a little bit more than half all the dogs and cats in the world have got really significant body pain, soft tissue pain, or neck and back pain that is being missed by owners and vets all over the place.
0: When you're doing your house call work, what, what sort of time length does a session take?
1: I don't do house calls anymore. I'm too busy. Okay. All right. <laughs> so what my, my clinical work now is I'm working in a, a really beautiful integrated vet hospital here in Melbourne two days a week, and that means that when I'm working hands-on, I'm, I'm doing 30-minute appointments for the hands-on work. Um, when I was – I had a, a little practice in my own home before that, I was probably doing more like forty-five minute appointments, but I'm I'm finding that even in thirty minutes, I can. Um, we're seeing some really significant changes in animals. So, the the therapeutic touch or intentional healing touch work that I do, is really good for not only for silent physical pain, but it's also really good for silent mental and emotional pain and trauma. Um, and we've had some really amazing results with treating anxious dogs with this touch because the the quality of the touch and in particular a couple of techniques within the method cause a really strong body level relaxation response so you can use touch to effectively train and teach these anxious animals how to regulate from anxiety and arousal into healthy relaxation so for instance we had a staffy come to see me a couple of years ago Clyde who, when his mum finished her nursing degree and started working, he started eating the house. So he had really full blown, full on separation anxiety with very destructive behavior. And with two weeks of this bodywork approach, he was fine. All the destructive behavior had gone. And he wasn't even getting off his bed some days when his mum came home. You know, he's just chill, relaxed, happy dog.
0: That's wonderful. I, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I know that you do behavior work and, and the connection is obvious to me between the physical pain and behavior. And, and I, I'm just so happy that you're able to make those inroads with those kinds of patients that, you know, you're making the connection and educating people on that. Yeah. Do you find, I imagine you find those cases to be fairly intensive as far as uh, the treatment and the follow-up you know clients are are anxious about those (laughs) about their pets that are anxious
1: look it's anxiety in animals is is such a challenging and beautiful um sort of aspect of of my veterinary practice and you know i don't just use the touch-based work though i i use though i think it's an important thing that could be integrated into the treatment plan of nearly all anxious animals but you know they they often we have to talk about a whole lot of other stuff with anxiety in terms of diet um is there pain going on as well and most anxious especially reactive and aggressive animals nearly all of them have undiagnosed pain to some level in their body that's causing a problem and the thing with soft tissue pain is that pain relief will help the symptoms but the only way that i've i've worked out to actually fix the problem is to get your hands on the animal and engage with the tissues and structures in an appropriate way with, with touch and pressure and, and mobilization and movement.
0: I imagine that your sort of work is energetically draining and, you know, we've talked about the qigong and your practice there. Are there other things that you do to, to help preserve yourself, especially with your fatigue?
1: Well, I, I don't really have the fatigue anymore. Um, Good. You know, and I don't find work draining. I don't find this work draining. If anything, if you do, you know, and energy healing is a big part of what I do now. I'm always a bit tentative about talking about energy healing in veterinary forums because I know that the industry and the medical orthodoxy thinks it's a load of, load of hooey. You know, if you go looking at the research, there's actually some, some pretty solid, high-grade studies that show that energy-based interventions are doing something better than, than a placebo. Now, you know, we can't measure the, the actual mechanism of that, and science, if it can't measure a mechanism, tends to get a headache and a bit confused. But um, if you learn how to manage, and Qigong is, a, is a, an energy-based practice, even though it's a physical movement. You're moving energy—it's—it's it's, comes from the same sort of um, philosophy and understanding and systems as traditional Chinese medicine. So you're working with the dragon and tiger form. You're actually working with moving energy through the meridians of the body as you're doing the physical movements. Now, if you get yourself in a place where you're energetically strong and clear, and you've got good, healthy, energetic boundaries. And you know that translates into having good healthy boundaries emotionally and mentally and, and what you will and won't tolerate in terms of how people behave and interact with you and all that sort of thing, then you can absolutely do this work without without it being draining at all. I mean, you you may be tired at the end of the day, but you're gonna be you gonna have healthy tide from a healthy long day of work is way different than being totally drained and flattened out because you've got um, poor boundaries. And you're not managing your energy in terms of building it and maintaining it and keeping it healthy.
0: What sort of advice do you give your clients about nutrition?
1: Um, I I really strongly recommend a fresh whole foods diet, uh, a balanced fresh whole foods diet. Uh, You know, I, I recommend totally avoiding all highly processed kibbles and tins foods. Um, completely so either uh, a raw I think in most cases raw is better but not all some animals with digestive issues or older animals do better with home cooked or if it works better for people to home cooked. I don't think that the difference between uh, a raw or a, a home cooked fresh whole foods diet is a huge difference but I, I think there's a bit more vitality when it's raw um, but yeah I'm really and of course you know healthy supplements like blueberries and um, whatever else is needed. It's a bit hard to say generally, but just generally, I think blueberries are one of the best supplements you can give dogs because the antioxidant levels are off the charts in them.
0: Absolutely. So how do you balance your time now? What? Uh, how much is devoted to clinical practice? How much is devoted to your, um, to your teaching?
1: So um, I, I work two days, well, one and two-thirds – days a week in the vet hospital so I do a full day followed by a, a day where I start at midday um it took a little while for to work out when I first but and I, I only consult I don't do surgery because I found that surgery really um takes it out of me a lot more than consulting um then I work anything from two to four days a week in my business in terms of you know being a the CEO of the company managing everything, creating trainings, um, promotion, marketing—you know anyone who's got their own business knows that there's a, there's a ton of things you have to get done all the time. Um, so, I I I, um, I get up at five thirty or five o'clock each morning and spend an hour in in bed with a timer going doing meditated energy practices then i get up have a shower uh come out and do my qigong practice i do another thing called butiko breathing which i found was a help to my well-being as well which is developed by a russian doctor
0: oh that's wonderful Um, I i practice that as well
1: yeah it's it's something that i do a little little session of that each day just to to keep and as you know it's kind of seems paradoxical but if you breathe too much you wash all your carbon dioxide out of your blood which then makes the hemoglobin hang on to the oxygen much more tightly so you get a functional hypoxia of your peripheral you know of of where the body should be getting oxygen so when you learn how to breathe properly you can increase carbon dioxide levels in your blood and um yeah i found that was another you know i've done a lot of different things health-wise over the years that's another one that's a pretty good one so you know i have about two or three hours every morning where i'm doing self-care and Exercise, I, I'm since I've really been doing consistent resistance exercise, you know, chin-ups, push-ups, some free weights with kettlebells one morning or two mornings a week, that has been a really key thing in me getting healthier and stronger too. Then, you know, I work from, from 9 to 6 with an hour's lunch break when I'm working on on my two full days for my business, Thursdays I go out and do all my shopping in the, mor- in the morning, you know, fruit and veg shopping and in, I may do a little bit of work in the morning before I go out and do that and I'll often do a few hours when I come back and I often teach, you know, Saturday mornings for half a day with the, with the online training. We have a, a live component. We do a live stream component of that as well and, of course, I have to do some Saturday mornings in the, in the vet hospital wonderful
0: now what's what's uh, coming up I, I know a little bit you've got a summit coming up in september do you want to talk about that
1: yeah i've got we've got um, i'm hosting hosting a summit with petsummits.com which is uh, a company that's just got going in the last year year or 18 months doing a whole lot of high quality summits around holistic um wellness and dog training and you know all all good things for dogs i think they're going to be moving into doing some stuff for cats and horses and other animals next year as well um but i'm hosting a summit on anxiety which we're going to be looking at anxiety from a whole lot of different perspectives we'll be looking at it from um you know the veterinary point of view uh the the pharmaceutical you know when and how pharmaceuticals are a benefit and how training can help, how socialization of puppies can help prevent anxiety and um, a whole lot of more alternative and holistic approaches as well.
0: That sounds really uh, like it's going to be really a good time.
1: Yeah, it'd be good. And if you, if you want to know more about that, um, you know, you can drop into wholeenergybodybalance.com, contact us by way of the contact form on that site and say, hey, please, can I get on your email list so that we can get the heads up when when we start um, opening up to invite people into that.
0: Very good. Well, doctor, it's been wonderful hearing your story and uh, hearing about your system and your practice. Uh, I wish you all the best, and it's been really great talking to you today.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Bye-bye.